to set the scene. I want you to imagine an all-powerful God who creates a massive universe. This universe is filled with billions of galaxies, which are filled with billions of stars. And in particular, within this universe, this God makes a special planet, one that is unlike the rest with the conditions necessary to help make and sustain life. God sets up this planet with its orbit around a star, which we call the sun, and he goes about filling this planet with land and seas and plants and animals. And most significantly of all, this God creates two people made in his image with the ability of reproduction, with the intention of overall there being lots of people, human beings made in God's image who have, because they're made in God's image, the ability of thought and language, among other things, which enables these people to be able to know and understand this God when he communicates with them. Now just imagine that these two people, the first human beings, were set up with everything that they need in a wonderful garden paradise, only for all of that to be lost. We've heard lots of stories over the last few weeks of people who had their house or their shop, they either live in it or do business in it. What's happened? Bushfires have come along and within the space of minutes, their home is no longer there. Something like that is the story of Adam and Eve, the story of us, the human race. The first humans created by God stuffed up and were kicked out of the garden. They lost their home. And we are still living today with the consequences of their sin. In some ways, we're all a little bit homeless. And in the world today, we see the consequences of that. Instead of people listening to God and his word, what do we see? We get rejection of and opposition to the truth that God reveals. Instead of having ready access to food, people now have to labor to grow food and others labor in order to have money to buy the food that is grown. Instead of living healthy lives without restriction as to time or quality of health, now we experience pain, sometimes on a regular basis, and we get old and die. Instead of there being harmony within society, and particularly harmony between husband and wife, we get conflict and broken relationships. Instead of living in a world full of blessing, we live in a world that, even today, is still under God's curse. Every single human being descended from Adam and Eve has to face these consequences because we've been born outside the garden. We live in this world where darkness, disorder and death are a constant threat to our survival. 
And it's easy to feel fearful and anxious living in such a world. And I know, imagine if you're homeless, you don't want to stay that way, right? So the issue really is, how can we get back to the way things were? How can we go home? How can we get back to life lived in the presence of God and experiencing his blessing? In particular, how can we go back and re-enter the paradise that has been lost? And importantly, who is the person who will lead us back in? Thankfully, according to the message of the Bible, there is a way back in. And so this problem that we have about life, the death that we see around us, disease, bushfires, volcanoes, the Bible does tell us that there's more to life than just death. In particular, there is someone who has been sent by God with the task of leading the human race back into the presence of God. And that person is described in the Bible as being both son of God and son of man. In the book of Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 and 14 in particular, we're told about a person, someone described as like a son of man. And son of man in Hebrew literally is like son of Adam. So someone who's a descendant of Adam, a human being. And this human being is described as coming with the clouds of heaven into the presence of God, the Ancient of Days. And amazingly, this human, this son of man, is given dominion and glory and a kingdom. And we're told he's given these things in order that all peoples, nations and languages should serve him. These verses in Daniel also tell us that this Son of Man's rule or dominion will be an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away. And his kingdom will be one which shall not be destroyed. Just think about that prophecy. What's our problem as human beings? Well, basically, we're homeless. We're being kicked out from the presence of God. But here we have a picture of a son of man, in other words, a human being, one of us, who is going to go where? According to that prophecy, where is that son of man going to go? He's going to go up or down? He's going to go up to where? To God himself in heaven. He's going to ascend into the presence of God. And this ascension of the Son of Man into the presence of God, it effectively means that the way will have been opened up for humans to be able to return to be back in the presence of God. The way will have been opened up for human access to life and blessing in close communion with God. Because this human being going up to be with God, in a sense, is representative of the whole human race. If he, the king, is there, then his subjects can also be there, serving him. So, according to God, 
as we see in that prophecy, there is, in God's plan, a way back into paradise. There is going to be a person who will function as a pioneer. He'll go before us, leading the way into the presence of God in paradise. And friends, the thing is, the Bible doesn't just say there will be such a person. The Bible tells us who that person is. The Bible claims that that human being is none other than Jesus. That Jesus is the person who has fulfilled that Son of Man prophecy. Jesus is the king appointed by God and he has been given the task of undoing the effects of human disobedience and he's been given the task of leading humanity back into life in paradise. You see how it works there? A beautiful home, everything provided by God, it's been lost. We're now homeless. Don't know what to do with ourselves. Terrible existence. But now one human being sent to take us back. And there's another way in which the Bible pictures this process. And it's through the concepts of temple and high priest. Now most of us probably understand that a temple is a holy place where people can go to in order to worship the God that they believe in. In the Bible, we see the people of Israel, they were given a temple too. They were given instructions by God as to how they could build a tabernacle, which was like just a temporary temple. Right, The tabernacle was there until the final version, the temple, could be built down the track. And that temple was supposed to be modelled on the very design and structure of heaven itself. It was modelled on what Moses saw when he was on the top of Mount Sinai meeting with God. So when God came down on Mount Sinai, basically God brings heaven with him. Moses could see what heaven is like. And he was to build a little model of that represented in the tabernacle. So the temple in Israel, it's basically symbolic of paradise. It's symbolic of the presence of God. That's why the upper part of the pillars of the temple were engraved with fruit and flowers. And other parts of the temple, they were engraved with animals and cherubim. Fruit, flowers, animals, cherubim. What does it make you think of? The Garden of Eden. It's meant to symbolize paradise. It's a picture of what things were like back in the Garden of Eden. And of course, the key feature of the temple, anyone tell me what the key feature, the most important room of the temple was? The Holy of Holies. Yeah, the most holy place. The architectural heart of the temple was this location, the inner sanctum, where the throne of God was symbolized in the form of the Ark of the Covenant. That's the temple. But what was the function of the high priest? 
But once a year, who was allowed to go into the Holy of Holies? It was the high priest, wasn't it? But he could only go in after the required sacrifice had been made. And friends, this is why those passages which were read out to you from the book of Hebrews talks about Jesus as the great high priest. It's using this imagery of the temple and the priest who goes in. The priest who goes in, in a sense, is humanity going into the presence of God. It's a picture of the hope of being able to go back home, to re-enter paradise. And the thing is, the Bible tells us that Jesus is the great high priest who has come not just to go into the little model, which is the temple there. No, Jesus isn't dealing with models here. He's dealing with paradise itself. He's entered through the greater and more perfect tabernacle. In other words, the tabernacle not made by human hands. Not the model there in Israel. No, heaven itself. He's entered into the most holy place. Once for all time, the Bible tells us, not by means of the blood of goats and calves like happened in the old temple, but by means of his own blood, thereby securing an eternal redemption for humanity. In Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 to 22, we're told that we should have confidence to enter into the most holy place. We should have confidence to go back home into paradise through the blood of Jesus. It's his sacrifice on the cross which functions as the bulldozer that clears the way through the barriers. What once was barred with the cherubim there, the border of the Garden of Eden, not allowing humanity to go back in, Jesus, through his sacrifice, now opens the way so that we can go in. The writer of Hebrews tells us that through Jesus, through his sacrifice, a new and living way has been opened up for us. That barrier has now been done away with. The barrier between us and God. And so we have this wonderful picture in the Bible of Jesus, the true high priest, who has opened up the way for humanity to be able to go back home. We can return, go back into paradise, where we can experience the blessing of life in all its fullness in the presence of God. So, returning to our question today, who is Jesus? Well, I hope through this little excursion, using the temple as our model, you get the idea about who Jesus is. He's the Son of Man, who is the Son of God, who has been appointed as the Way. Why is he called the Way? Because He's the way home because through him and by following him, we are able to recover what was lost as a result of human disobedience to God. So, who is Jesus? 
Was Jesus a human being? Yes. Did Jesus go up into heaven on a cloud? Yes, according to what the Bible says. Is Jesus the king of a universal and eternal kingdom? Well, millions of people around the world have said that and still say that, so I think we have to say yes. Millions of people serving him as king. Did Jesus make a perfect sacrifice? Yes. That's why he died on the cross. Has Jesus entered into the presence of God? Yes, that's the claim. He's seated there at the right-hand side of God in heaven on a throne. Jesus himself, when we think about it, claimed to be the way, the truth, and the life. He's claiming to be the true way to life in the presence of God. This Son of Man, who is also the Son of God. He restores life and returns us to paradise. Now friends, if it's true that Jesus is the way, what do you think that means for us? And you know you need to go somewhere, right? If you've got a street there in front of you, the question is, the decision you need to make is, I either go down that street, I follow that way, that pathway, or not. If Jesus is the way, we are the wayfarers, the travellers, those who are supposed to be following Jesus, walking behind him, paying attention to his footsteps. If you want to re-enter paradise, the only way you can do that is by being a follower of Jesus. Who is Jesus? He's the way to life. 